morning welcome to don't be the artist i'm hagan i'm dave i'm adam and i'm jackson happy <laughs> so enthusiastic <laughs> <laughs> happy pride month everybody happy pride month to all of our uh lgbtq plus friends i i had to verify that that's i i'm the type of person that's saying like something like that is an uh, a tongue twister and i really didn't want to fuck that up and seem like an asshole so uh <laughs> i'm really happy with myself there Wow, honestly, incredible. You've done such a good job today. We should probably just call it quits after that. You've worked so hard. Yep. Good job, What's Jackson. the opposite of being canceled? Starting? Hell yeah. Being started? <laughs> Eating up. <laughs> so I, I got some some news and shit we can start with. Album, you'll, you'll You're get You're pregnant. It. Yep. Yeah. That's it. I'm yes. pregnant. Fuck yeah, dude! Album's gonna get a uh, a bit of a pass this week since we uh, lightly spanked him last week. So <laughs> lightly, <yeah. laughs> much like uh, Bill Burr being on Joe Rogan, and everyone be like, "Oh man, he destroyed Joe Rogan." As far as I'm concerned, he lightly spanked Joe Rogan. <laughs> so here's but the. But somebody had to do it. It was nice to see somebody talk back to Rogan, though. Yeah, yeah. someone needs to do it a lot worse to joe rogan but i don't think they'll ever get through that man needs to get canceled immediately you know uh say what you will about joe rogan i don't like him but i think it's really important for anybody who's listening to him to remember that he is not a replacement for college he is not a college class you should maybe go learn it's cool to listen to stuff go learn somewhere else go to college is that your message my message is if you're gonna listen to (laughs) joe rogan i dropped out but (laughs) but i don't listen to joe rogan (laughs) So, so that's that's kind of what we're at, where we're at. I, I had. I think we can uh, we can uh, safely say that three fourths of this podcast are strongly anti Joe Rogan, and then there's another fourth who uh, we're working on. We'll get him. There. <laughs> who's, we'll get him who's there. Who's the other fourth? Well, I mean, do you do you listen to Joe Rogan, Adam? Not like for fun. I definitely process of elimination. <laughs> yeah. Dave just doxed. Himself. Did you go to college? <laughs> I tried. <laughs> yeah. Hagen, did you have something or can I go into news? I said I was pregnant. That's all I got. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm going to laugh if like later like you actually mention that and you'll be like, I told you. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, as we're recording this, uh, we're recording it on a Sunday, but the previous Friday, uh, Bandcamp had another revenue share, but uh, instead of it going to the... Uh, artist this time it was uh, donated in honor of uh, Juneteenth it was donated to the NAACP legal fund but also that this is something that they said okay this isn't just going to be like you know right now because of you know recent events this is going to be something that they've committed to doing so on and so forth every year for Juneteenth they're going to be doing this along with donating a minimum of $30,000 a year to uh, partnerships with racial justice org so that's pretty cool Bandcamp has been uh you know pretty consistent on these things over the years but i would say in 2020 they've really shown that you know they are a respectable organization from what i can tell that being said i know somebody's gonna let me know that i'm wrong there but no i think i think i think they're killing it i think that they're they're a true example of what a lot of these uh music companies should be looking like they should be doing shit like them 
Uh, they just need a better mobile app, please. Please, better oh, mobile yeah. app. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and update the player. Update the music player. Oh, yeah, too. that too. I am truly proud. And, like, of course, musicians are not the mm. only people who have suffered through the pandemic. And But I am truly proud that I have seen a lot of musicians, like um, one of my favorite artists, Mike Kinsella, his solo project, Owen, released a new album on Juneteenth. And he said, hey feels weird releasing an album this day he put up a statement if you want to read the whole thing but he he said like oh it feels weird releasing an album on juneteenth but in honor of it all of my albums including the new album are going to be pay what you want and anything you do pay if you choose to buy the album today will be donated to uh you know i i I don't know exactly what he said but i believe it was the naacp legal fund so what i'm saying is i'm really proud of musicians who historically are not the most glamorously paid uh of professions you know stepping up and saying okay you know we're gonna you know drop all of our revenue is going to go towards trying to help fix these injustices and that's you know wilco's doing it which is an example of a successful band but there are even bands as like we've mentioned namdi over and over again and like he's by no means like you know super successful but he's also not like you know just a completely local artist so he he's definitely <laughs> i'm getting a lot of brows here yeah oh, what was that sound yeah, sound that's why I, that's why i'm that's why <laughs> that, i made a that face that was probably something outside my house and i didn't mute in time so I'm oh sorry. okay i didn't Listeners. hear it uh <laughs> i was like what did i say wrong <laughs> no you didn't say anything wrong uh the uh <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm just saying that i'm proud of musicians for you know you're already having a hard time with the pandemic and now stepping up to the plate where you know these large companies refuse to so thank you for that absolutely yeah. and uh also just more releases from uh juneteenth anderson pack single is amazing it is it locked down yeah, and the music video you have to watch the music video if you're going to listen to that song it is amazing it's uh it definitely is incredibly emotional but it's it's great oh while we're talking about Namdi, over the weekend I listened to that album again, the new album, and I take I retract my negative statements about Fuck it. Fuck yes, that's good. <laughs> Fuck Very happy yeah. to hear that. Yeah, there the album that I'm going to talk to. I have like now at this point three contenders for album of the year that I'm not quite sure, uh, but yeah, Namdi is still up there with Moses Sumney, and I'll talk about my third one later with what we're listening to. So. After talking about uh, that side of the country, let's flip over to the shitty side of the country. And in this piece of news, Kid Rock's Nashville bar lost its permits uh, this week over COVID violations. Fuck yeah. I'm not surprised at all. So whenever I read that, I just read the headline. I was like, "What? What? Did, what's a COVID violation? Like, I have an idea in my head of what they should be. But, you know, in all actuality, we're all seeing the world, especially the U.S. and Texas right now, like what exactly constitutes a violation especially for someone as shitty as kid rock uh but i i ended up looking there was a lot of social media posts of like oh this is what his bar looked like before it got its permits revoked and it was just wall-to-wall people it was like 100 percent capacity i'm sure it was breaking fire code as well and then also not a single person was wearing a mask, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm glad that that's what they're considering a COVID violation because it, it looked like what a Trump rally should look like. Fucking idiots. Yeah, <laughs> just absolute fucking morons. I wish someone would shut bars down in Dallas like that. It's ridiculous. 
Oh yeah, you should see uh, bottled blonde. Bottled which blonde I'm totally, is disgusting. It's always disgusting. I'm totally happy saying fuck that place. Like oh, looking yeah. at that, that that is the petri dish that is going to be COVID nineteen in Dallas for the second wave, right yep. there, among other diseases. But that's <laughs> that's, that's probably, the biggest one. It's probably already started, really. Yeah, yeah, it has. Well, you know, yeah. the, the pe- people are people are talking about like a second wave, but we ha- we didn't really ever end the first wave no no of course not but i think we're talking about like when you look at these like over a like a large amount of uh data you're gonna see this kind of first hump and then it kind of dips a a tiny bit and then it's gonna go up bigger uh the second time yeah yeah you ever like surf and then there's like one wave and it's like it's like almost done you just hop on another wave it's like that bro do you ever go surfing dude <laughs> and it's like you're on one wave but that another one shows up dude kirk, ha- Nature. kirk hammett Is that Dave, you? you know yeah. you love those alberta waves my bro <laughs> alberta <laughs> the All texas right. of canada <laughs> yeah no fuck that place fuck that yeah. place hard what are you saying you don't like texas then Oh yeah, absolutely not. Alberta yeah, definitely is, parts of Texas I hate. I love the people. Well, I'm, I'm friends with yeah. in Texas, yeah. but Alberta's like uh, the, the uh, open carry. Yeah, Alberta's like the biggest uh, contributor of uh, like um, North American oil contributor or uh, whatever. Yeah, that place sucks ass. Well, I'll bring you guys up with some positive news. I got two pieces of news left, but this one's the real upper, and this one's just for you guys. Uh, the Mamma Mia producer confirms that a third movie is coming. In quotes, it's meant to be a trilogy. I hate so much of what is like, I just, I just don't get it. It's so bad. It's unbelievable. So, I saw the first I didn't even movie. know there was a second one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, guess like guess what year. it's called. Dave, what do you think it's called knowing, um, knowing Mamma Mia songs? Or sorry, uh, Abba songs. I don't know. I can't, I can't think right now called mama mia here we go again oh my oh, god it's so bad it's unbelievable fuck. like god yeah. it was always meant to be a trilogy go fuck yourself what jesus so it, it, so it's funny so i saw the first movie and i'm a fan of uh musicals so is hagen hagen's a bit more of an elitist than i am of him i can just enjoy yeah, uh, musicals of all qualities. Okay, wait. It's... Okay, hold on a second. What do you what do you mean? I can't enjoy musicals of all quality. What do you what do you mean by quality? Like bad Mama singers. Mamma Mia is a good time. What? Mamma Mia is a good time. Mamma Mia is a good is a good musical. The movie doesn't yeah. need to exist. The musical is fine on its own. Yeah. So like cats. That's different. Yeah. That's different because that was a, a masterpiece in its own right. <laughs> so Mamma Mia 1 was criticized for, you know, having the older cast, you know, Pierce Brosnan can't sing, all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing about it is when I watched that movie, I can genuinely tell that they just put this whole crew, including Meryl Streep, on a Greek island or something like that. And they were just drunk for all of them. I mean, you can see their rosy cheeks in some of these shots. And you're like, that's not makeup. Meryl Streep, uh, you know, Oscar award-winning Meryl Streep is drunk as shit for this performance of Super Trooper. It's amazing. Good for her. Good for her. So, But there were a lot of detractors who were like, oh, yeah, this isn't great singing, which I will, I will concede to. Pierce Brosnan is not a great singer, but when you watch him, he is definitely giving it his all, and there's something endearing about that. But what I've heard, and I haven't seen the sequel, but apparently the sequel is great. 
supposedly. The singing is I, the singing is better in the sequel, but it, the 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 plot and everything else doesn't need to exist. The singing okay, is but the singing. A lot is of better. musicals don't have great plot. I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I love musicals, but they don't always no. Have but great plots. but the best ones well, have, have great either. plots. The best ones always have really good plots, or at least interesting plots. Ones that will 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 just drive you and make you really interested the whole way through. What's the plot for Phantom Opera? <laughs> I don't think that's a good musical, so we can move on that one. What's for the plot our listeners, for Cats? Our topic today, our topic today isn't musical. <laughs> we're just, uh, Which, by the way, we're letting Jackson stuff. and Hagen hash this. I'm out. just heated now. He called for me our out. listeners. For our listeners, I have tried to push a musicals episode many a times because when I do have love musicals. Have you ever done that? Weren't we? And I bet you, if you look at that screenshot. I, that I sent you all of all of the ideas I have. It's on there. Hey, uh, what did, did okay, Jackson? Do that Jackson, now. weren't we like trying to like write like a, a weird like diff- uh, We had a different version. Was it Les Mis we were trying to do? Yeah, so it was Les Mis in the style of like Romeo plus Juliet, right. Leonardo DiCaprio. But we were yeah. like gonna do Les Mis like in like okay, so like you know Les Mis but white trash people. Exactly. And we, like, we even we got like oh we were gonna call uh jean valjean john val john valjean yeah something yeah. like that it was yeah. it was good it was it, it could have it could have made some traction i, I liked that we, idea this all spurred at a party and like we even got to the point where we were playing one of the cast recorded uh it, you know soundtracks over the speakers at a party with people and we were rewriting the lyrics out loud like okay so like this is what we would be talking about in a white trash sense so uh, basically what he's saying is if you want to party with us you're gonna have a great time it's always a good time with us at a party yeah hey dave said that his connection is lost but i would argue that that was lost years ago (laughs) (laughs) and i know it's true because he's not laughing at what i just said (laughs) I was trying to figure out if it's my internet that's bad or somebody else's. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. So I got one one last piece of news, and you can say that it is a a Gallagher update, but it's not an exciting one. thank you. I was really hoping for one of those. I needed one so bad. This one's not exciting in the the way that you may think, but Liam Gallagher's MTV Unplugged, which just came out this previous week, is the first MTV Unplugged to top the charts since uh, Nirvana's in 1994, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's uh, a Gallagher update, so there you go. Is it good? Uh, I like Liam Gallagher, so I'm sure it is, um, but I have not listened to it. I would rather just listen to his you know regular music because he's just a singer so i don't really he's got a backing band i don't really see the point of listening to an unplugged of him and his backing band he might have like a string does does he have like a string section or something with for the unplugged or anything like special or cool or is it just like him and the band i i'm sure it's something like that but i don't know maybe i'll listen to it and report back on it but uh last time he was on unplugged was with oasis and he ended up getting annoyed with the show and walked off stage got up in the balcony and was heckling his brother noel for the rest of the concert (laughs) is that on youtube somewhere i don't know but that is a well documented uh instance because like in the span of one year they basically released what's the story morning glory where these became the most massive band in the uk and probably europe as well and then they had that 
this meltdown and then they released like the most overblown produced album that was pretty much worth nothing which was the follow-up to that album so it's a well-documented year for that band so uh and i i did want to end this with uh that that nirvana was the last one that had the number one for a uh, mtv unplugged which also i believe it was just today before we started recording this uh kurt cobain's guitar that he played at that broke the uh auction records for selling a musical instrument and it sold for six million dollars which the previous record was like 3.9 million dollars and that was david gilmore's black strat so how much would da- how much yeah. would dave Grohl's bundles from that set cost I hate I hate well, I hate listening to like I love listening to that but his bundles sound so cheesy. I want his turtleneck. That's all I want. Oh yeah, that turtleneck is hysterical. <laughs> I want the gum. I want the gum that he was chewing. He's always chewing gum. He's always <laughs> chewing gum. But I want that you gum. You want that? Do you think he still has that gum? I want it. You think he still has He still has you think, it. You know that? Or you you like it? It's the same piece. He chews the same piece of gum. He doesn't yeah. chew the same piece of gum. Of course he doesn't. I was joking. What? That's a dumb what? joke. What's Stupid a, joke. What's Boo. <laughs> yeah. Not only is Hagen an elitist about musicals, he's about his Dave Grohl um, trivia. He. Do, I mean, he does chew a lot of gum, but I mean, he doesn't what's his have gum the, of choice. I actually don't know that. Of wintergreen. Oh, okay. There we is go. Is it really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have said anything, uh, and we would all believe you. It's funny because yeah. he chews gum when he sings because it helps his like it helps. Uh, his mouth be saliva, hydrated right? and saliva false it doesn't like actually do that like in your mouth at all like that's not what gum does gum actually removes hydration and saliva from your mouth it does not keep it hydrated at all what does all the beer he drinks on stage do for his vocal cords oh kills it hell yeah yeah his Nervous! <laughs> yeah you're you... oh i was wrong it's dent uh dentine ice oh okay yeah, you've got to be like whenever you're singing the best of you now, you have to be just like a little bit flat. It's almost like you're trying to sing the note and then you kind of give up at some point. Still, s- oh, yeah. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what this break does for Dave Grohl's voice. Yeah, I mean that's true. Hopefully he comes back and he sounds great. But it, there's there's you also know he's a- just sitting at home drinking a ton. Yeah, there's a very good chance he's just screaming, having a great time with his kids. Yeah, <laughs> he also refuses to practice so unless he's with a band. So I'm wondering if his playing will be a little subpar for the first couple months. Well, I bet I bet he's playing. I bet he's writing music. Yeah, they That's could fair. be recording something too, for all we know. Well, they have, the, they have a new album Yeah, their, done. Al- their next album's already yeah. done and ready, so. Uh, but now is like the time to, you know, keep recording things if I was in their situation at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Metallica's doing a fucking an album over Zoom, which is like the dumbest idea in the fucking world because they can't well, communicate. Let's listen to that. <laughs> no. Maybe maybe it'll sound really good. Yeah. Didn't Kirk Hammett uh, lose uh, a whole bunch of riffs because his iPhone got broken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this sounds big old dumb. That sounds great. It's 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 already gonna be dumb. I mean, like that like it's it makes sense to work with each other as a band, like being far away from each other over video chat. Uh, but uh, they can't work together in the same room. So how is being away from each other and like being able to yell? Each- I mean, like I feel like getting Lars to do the right thing would take being in his face. So you- if you can't be in his face and really tell him what he's got to do, I don't know. We've talked about this. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, yeah, because even then it doesn't really work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so who's got a, a sick transition into our topic? Because I'm done with news. Uh, okay, here we go. I think you know when they were. Oh, go ahead. 
No, you, no, got, you it. got it. No, Adam, you okay. got it. <laughs> album, Adam. take it away. Adam, album. I don't have it. Album, God. Speaking of Metallica, <laughs> uh, many think that when they did, when they released their self-titled album, the Black Album, uh, that they sold out. Wow. So, because they ended up reaching a wider range of success, which we know that that happens sometimes with our bands that we like. So, Dave, when you say sold out, do you mean like they, like the store had no more of their records? That too, but they they changed their sound to cater to a wider audience. As the producer Bob Bob Rock would say, they wanted to hit the really, really big time. (laughs) Bob Rock. Bob Rock. So now, does now, every topic we have to do now it has to relate back to Metallica? Is that? It's just going to. We're, we're stuck. I'm I'm forever stuck in this loop. So I wanted to start this topic by kind of us each going around and saying what we thought selling out was, and I'll start, and then somebody else can go. But I always interpreted. I never interpreted selling out as what Dave was saying, which is interesting. But I I agree with it the idea of changing your audience to cater or sorry changing your sound to cater to a different or a wider audience i've always assumed uh selling out or i interpreted it as you know okay you are doing things like putting your music in a fifa game you're doing all these things or putting it in all these commercials and you're making all this money but someone may disagree with you uh what but I, I don't know, and we can get into the deep conversation, but I always associate it as like, oh, you're selling your music for uh, something outside of the entertainment purpose because I don't watch commercials to be entertained. Hagen, what do you think? I, I mean, I think selling out usually comes from, uh, this is not the right word, but it's the word I'm going to use, comes from like the bottom. It comes from, it comes from somebody who is like still in a local scene and they see a, they see a band that was in their scene do well. And, uh, they, they say they sold out. They, they left the local scene and now they're so they're signed to a record label or they're touring the world. And they, like you said, they put their song in a commercial or in a video game or some other thing. And so the, calling someone sold out comes from a different direction right if you're on that level then i don't think you've sold out but somebody from below might think you sold out because you fucking left your roots and uh yeah that's 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 usually how i view it is kind of a just a bullshit name calling thing yeah i'm right there with you and i i I think that like these fans like in the local scene they hold these people so close and they they watch them grow to a certain point so they get really upset when they kind of leave the herd so to speak where they don't have that close connection with the band anymore and they have to pay a lot more money to go to the shows so they get upset and say that they sold out do you think someone like a taylor swift or a lady gaga who had you know no they had music careers like not massive ones but they were playing before they were these massive pop icons do you think that people i've never heard someone say lady gaga sold out because they've always had that intention of gaining that pop cult, pop status. I've heard the opposite for so so I when I was reading about this, some people were talking about how someone like Lady Gaga actually did the opposite where she sold out right away knowing that once she gets enough fans and makes enough money that she wants to do her own thing. So strip away the popness of it and go into, you know, she did the uh what's his name? Tony, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett stuff and She's doing what she wants to. People were talking about stuff like that. 
I, I read Taylor Swift's name a lot when it comes uh, to selling out that she was listed as somebody who sold out. And to me, that just sounds like she succeeded. I mean, like she she leaned, I guess, in the beginning more like to like this like kind of country sound and then eventually ended up in pop. And it's I mean, who knows what her intention was? I didn't go deep, too de- deep into that research. But to me, it just sounds like that was probably what she wanted to do. Um, she wanted to get into that and she succeeded in her own way. And I mean, also, uh, every great, uh, well, I don't want to say every, but like a lot of great artists and bands, their sounds change over time. So that doesn't inherently like mean selling out. That just means that they changed. Maybe Taylor Swift realized this wasn't for her. Like she didn't really want to do this country thing. So it made more sense for her to focus on this pop thing because she liked it more and it was better for her. Who knows? She grew up listening to uh, country and stuff like that. And then when she started singing and writing songs, that was just the easier way for her to do. It right. was to write gear. To, she didn't have a lot of experience in studios or with a bunch of different gear. So it was just her and her guitar. And there's footage of her at a young age playing at her local mall and and blowing up and getting that recognition. So then she gets thrust into the spotlight with those songs under her belt because let's not forget Taylor Swift writes her own songs. Like, who <laughs> fucking cares? But... Um, <laughs> That shouldn't be a celebrated thing. Just for anyone listening, if you're, don't ever say to someone, I love this artist because they write their own songs. Get a fucking life. Write your own songs. Anyway. Also, or or it, also, it also isn't a bad thing to have a team of people write songs. That also isn't a bad thing. No, it's not. But if you don't write any of your songs. Sure. I, and Yeah, Elvis Presley whatever. sucks. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, fuck I think, Elvis. I, I think that I hate when people are like, I love Taylor Swift because she writes her own songs. That's not a that's not merit. That's just that's what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. That, yeah, that's like a, oh cool, she did that. It would mean the same if there was a team of people writing her songs with her. It would mean the exact same thing to me. Uh, but who yeah. knows? Um, I think it's funny because I was looking up like people who are considered sellouts online, and um, Justin Bieber is considered a sellout. What do you guys what? think about that? What? Yeah. How how is that the case? I don't. Uh, because yeah, he, I, it, 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 I think that they were leaning more towards this fact that he, like, he was this, like, almost teen sweetheart thing, and then shifted into this, like, I'm a crazy partier, and also my music is now leaned more towards this, like, this, I don't know, I guess, dance style of pop music instead of, like, the tween shit that he was doing before. Uh, the, the thing they kept mentioning in the article was, like, he had such a good voice, and now he just doesn't he care. Grew up. Yeah, exactly. All this that you're yeah. explaining is he grew up. Yeah. Well, grew grew up and became more popular as a musician, so it's gonna inevitably change. I mean, like Hagen said, changing your type of music doesn't mean you're selling out. It just means you grew up somehow. It, yeah. Spe- specifically, especially with those two cases, Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber, they grew up in the spotlight. Yeah. We didn't see him. He didn't change his image to be a partier. He started partying. Yeah. And, yeah, and, like, the, and he uh, grew up. He, there's no way that someone like him could sell out because he was literally discovered and then ex- like exploded. It was li- it was one of those. Yeah. It's one is that one in a lifetime story you're gonna hear where like a kid posts a video on YouTube and then boom, Usher loves you and yeah. you're signed. I was gonna say his Usher. his mentor Usher is gonna be so disappointed in him for selling out. Yeah, exactly. Damn. That does, it's 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 ridiculous <laughs> to me. 
let's pull back from the pop artists uh, uh, a little bit because that that's a, a weird scenario where like the idea is to reach a wide audience. And yeah. I think at some point, maybe this can be towards the end, but we can talk about what, how exactly we feel about the terms selling out and all that kind of stuff. And, but I would like to, you know, Hagen, you were talking about uh, people who turn against an artist, uh, coining them with selling out because they were in the local scene with them. And then now they're massively successful. And I think there's, one of the best examples of that is Green Day, who was very much, uh, you know, in this 90s punk scene. And, like, Dookie is an incredible album. And, like, to this day, you can listen to that and understand, like, oh, yeah, like, I know what 90s, like, skate punk and all that kind of stuff was. And then, you know, over time, they changed. But to be honest, when I listen to their music from start to, you know, what, what they are now, I mean, past a certain point, I mean, it feels natural what they did you know basically from the build-up to their first record to american idiot which i think is the second most important rock album that's come out uh in the 2000s right behind the black parade uh it's just you know it makes sense to me but there is that like punk scene who's like oh well they sold out because they're not punk anymore like yeah they're not punk anymore but punk is rock music it's a it's a subgenre of rock music and i would argue that Green Day is still rock music, and, and well, even when they were even when they were in their scene, they like a lot of the punk rockers of that era didn't think that Green Day was punk rock enough. They had some sort of mainstream, like I don't know, approach to playing punk music. So it does make sense that they eventually got to where they did. I read a quote from the bass player who was like, he was like, man, like when you're playing local clubs that are actually getting shut down because there's too many people, you either have to decide to disband or sell out like quote unquote, sell out. It's like, and he said, that's all we know how to do is play music and write songs together as a band. So why are we going to fucking quit just because more people want to see it? Yeah. And there's, there's like a lot of, I, I think another thing with that is, uh, to, I hate to bring it back again, but growth as an artist and a musician. I mean, when you're a punk band, uh, I I kind of feel like you've once you've written that really good album, it's really hard to go back to punk rock and write that really good album again. Um, you kind of have to be really good at like the the statement you're making, and uh, I I think your writing is gonna grow naturally away from punk. If you're trying to like write songs, eventually you're gonna realize I want to say more than two and a half minutes has for me, right? Or I want to say something that's not at the super fast tempo. So it makes sense, again, that they decided to go and do something else. That doesn't imply to me, that doesn't mean selling out. That literally just means they decided to write in a different way because they needed to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you think about, like, you know, punk bands like Lagwagon and Bad, well, I guess Bad Religion, but even they changed over time. Yeah. Uh, no Effects have largely, they've kind of stayed the same road, but they became kind of a they have a cult following so they didn't really even have to change people want to hear a no effects record because they want to hear a no effects record they're not going to write anything close to american idiot i think they could i think they're all really good musicians but yeah they're yeah, like they the didn't ACDC have to sell out punk. right exactly. exactly yeah well said very well said yeah i think uh if we're going to talk about selling out it's important to talk about commercials because that is the surefire way for you to get labeled as a sellout whether or not you're a singer songwriter a pop artist or a rock band and there are 
kind of two examples that I have that are in my wheelhouse. And then I have a third example that uh, I found was super interesting that my girlfriend told me about that I had no clue about. But the biggest one that, well, let's start with a little smaller. Uh, Modest Mouse, actually, I believe it was in the mid-2000s. They had the song Gravity Rides Everything that was in like a Kia commercial. And they that a lot of fans of Modest Mouse, because, you know, there are the fans who know Modest Mouse for Float On. And whenever you would see somebody with a Modest Mouse shirt, they'd be like, I love Modest Mouse. And then somebody would say, oh, well, what's your favorite record? And they'd be like, what do you mean they only have one? That kind of thing. Nothing wrong with that. But then there's the other Modest Mouse fans who are listening from the get-go. And that Kia commercial apparently uh, marked a, a wide turn in their audience of like, oh, this band is no longer going to be the band I like anymore because they're in a Kia commercial, which I think is totally unfair. Yeah, but, I mean, if it was but, a Honda, it would have been fine. Yeah, exactly. But let's get into the bigger <laughs> example, uh, the biggest example I have, which is the Black Keys, which they've been in uh, hundreds of commercials, and people label that band day in, day out. They call them sellouts because they're in every Ford commercial ever. And I just... I absolutely detest that name for them because it's just it's completely unfair that this is a band that for I, and i may be getting the time wrong but like for five to eight years they were playing dive bars non-stop and then now that they're able to make enough money on their music to live and also have families who are comfortable like that seems so shitty that of those fans to be like oh how dare you make money now and the band feels that way too, and they they basically just like, a, oh yeah, like we want to make money, and we're in control of where our songs go. It's not like we're putting it in like an NRA commercial or something like that. It's like we're fine with uh, Ford trucks, so it's fine that it's in a Ford commercial. It's like, okay, yeah, I get that. They grinded it out for so long that like that's eventually what made them take a break was that they couldn't stop saying yes to gigs because yeah. they were like, we need to keep making money. What if we don't? get this chance again so along with just tensions of being together the the two main people being together for so long they were like all right we got to take a break because we can't stop saying yes to things like they wanted to take a break well before they actually did but they were like okay well now we have this festival let's do a couple of festivals leading up to that to practice for it and it's like they were they were like not starving artists i'm sure they were fine but they were on the grind they're on the grind it puts an unfair burden on the artist to like, okay, your only source of income can be record sales, which are non-existent, live music, which puts uh, an unhealthy burden on your social life just in general and like your family life if you have one, uh, and saying that those are the those are the two ways you can make money. If you get offered to be in a commercial, then you're a sellout and I'm not going to listen to your music anymore. Even though it's the exact same song I like, it just happens to be advertising a Michelin tire. Makes no sense. The weird thing to me about that is, to me that seems like a marketing kind of thing for a band of, you know, finding new fans and listeners and stuff. Being in a commercial or being in, you know, whatever other kind of video like that. It is. That's a really big reason to, to, to be in any sort of situation. Like if someone calls me and says, hey, I want to put this band of yours music in this commercial. It doesn't matter if it's a small commercial, whatever. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Let's talk about you know the deal. Let's make yeah. it happen. I have no problem with that. I think it's uh, – and again, I'm coming from the perspective of I think it's cool. I think it's fine that bands that, – that music is in commercials that are like from smaller bands because – 
if I heard a small band's music in a commercial, a band that I knew, I'd be like, that's fucking awesome. That's so cool. Yep. Like, I'm absolutely not ashamed to say that. I have looked up multiple songs from Apple commercials that I've yeah. like, this is super fucking cool. And also just, you know, Feist. being in. Yeah, yeah. Feist, yeah. Feist having one, two, three, four in that Apple commercial. Yeah. And then you look at the trajectory of her career. It she didn't get any more. She didn't go in that direction at all. So she made all that money from Apple, and kept her artistic integrity. Where at a certain point in time, back in like the eighties and nineties, if you sold out, people would say, you know, critics and other musicians in that same scene would say that you no longer have your artistic integrity because you sold out. Yeah, and so like, and then also it's the same way with like. Uh I, I never heard somebody saying that you sold out if you're in a TV show, but I guess there was a subset of people who, like, if you were in Glee, people were like, oh, you know, you're a sellout, that kind of thing. But, like, just this week, I was listening to, uh, I'm going to a festival next year, and Massive Attack is playing. And I was like, I've listened to Massive Attack, but I should get more into their music if I'm going to see them live. And I was listening, and I was like, holy shit, this is the theme song to the show House. And I was like, I used to watch House all the time. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. And I was like, that just blew my mind that I could have been listening to Massive Attack for years and I would have loved it. I've heard... I've Is that is that uh, Lilac, Lilac Wine? Is that the name of the song? No, it's... Uh, I, I'll look it up. I've heard a lot of... I've it. heard a lot of people like say if you're on a TV show, if you're in this, then that... I mean, I think that does define... like the, that, that does fit the definition for selling out for a lot of people. And to me, that's like total bullshit because on our episode about scores and composition and and, uh, and composers, I talked about the Scrubs soundtrack and and how like Zach Braff with with Scrubs and with uh, 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 Garden State, uh, Garden yeah, State, yeah, yeah, how like the soundtrack was it was so well thought out and and picked for these indie artists to be in a movie and to be in this television show and actually get a chance to shine. There's a guy uh, who's Zach Braff's really good friend named Josh Radin who is a great singer-songwriter. They used one of his songs in like this super emotional episode. And when they put it in, everyone in the cast of Scrubs was like, this is super cool. Like, like, where's your album? And he's like, this is the only song I've ever written. This is the only one. And so that literally like jump-started his career. And from then on, he was, he was like making albums, touring, all this shit. Just because he had one song on Scrubs, that's huge. That's not selling out. That's a career. He made a career. That's yeah, a lot of it seems to it seems to come down to money. It's like, you know, you start making a lot of money because you you had something in a show or you had something on a commercial. But there are instances of people getting major label success, you know, and where they don't need those commercials. A lot of the commercial deals come out from the fact that record labels nowadays, if you're signed to one, they aren't willing to invest in you as much. So that's another stream of revenue where you can get money is having these ad placements. But where you have bands that are trying to stay in the spotlight, they their music can suffer from that. I think of bands like Maroon 5 and, dare I say, Nickelback. Nickelback's first two albums were actually not bad at all. His voice wasn't as exaggerated as it is now. But as they started getting bigger, they started just dumbing down their sound, and it's all just stadium rock. And then... I believe the term is you know, butt rock. Butt rock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that it, it definitely... But, okay, so 
I, I don't think that they did that intentionally. Do you think they did that as a thing that was like, we're now, we, we're ready now to succeed, so let's dumb our music down for our audience? Or do you think they just wrote the music they wanted to write, and it happened to be that? Here's, here's what I think they did, and I think this happens to a lot of bands. They started playing festivals, and the festivals got bigger, so they started writing stuff that would sound good at a festival. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that happens to a lot of bands. I think that's what happened to Maroon 5. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that... that's smart to do that from a business point of view, though. Oh, absolutely. So it's hard to call that selling out as like a negative thing to me, because it's like they're just trying to make a living just like everybody else. Well, imagine if the Beatles had never played such big shows to the point where they stopped touring and only started writing like you can see a shift in their music when they weren't playing in front of these massive crowds it got more intricate more complex right they couldn't have played most of that stuff live anyway so there is something to be said for that there's definitely that and i see it in my own writing uh that i'm influenced by what's around me even if we're not talking about music just like the certain circumstances you're around that kind of stuff and like you know jack white takes everything to the extreme but he talks about anytime he's recording an album he just shuts off the music and he says luckily with my process i'm normally writing you know and recording albums really quickly so not listening to music while i do that is really easy but on his most recent uh album boarding house reach his solo record he was talking about how that album took him about like two years so there was a really long time where he's like i did not listen to music because i was so worried that i'd hear something cool on the radio and be like oh that's what that song needed i need to do that so that definitely there's merit in what you're saying dave i would think I saw I saw Maroon Five on the Songs About Jane tour. They they were opening up for the Rolling Stones, and it the the music didn't sound super well suited for such a big audience. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So the, there was that third story I was alluding to. Do you guys know the story of X Ambassadors? No. So I was told this, and I found it fascinating. They kind of have the opposite. Um, the opposite situation of they had a song that was then in a commercial. They wrote a song, their biggest song, which is called Renegades. They wrote it for a Jeep commercial. They didn't, they just, uh, they had, uh, they, they had been a band since like 2009, but uh, they wrote it for the commercial commercial. And that is now their biggest song and it is massive. And they even talk about it now. They're like, we didn't know we were writing this big, massive song that was going to be a huge hit. We just, you know, we kind of got asked to do a song and we were sort of working on that song and decided, Hey, let's finish that and just give it to the Jeep commercial. And now that is their biggest song, which I found was fascinating. Yeah. I mean that, that to me is uh, not selling out. That's you got hired to do a fucking job. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the thing is like if, if, if people who, and to be fair, I haven't heard the phrase sell out in a long time from a person, uh, but if people who say that anybody is selling out, I just want them to think for a second and be like, how this this is a job this is making money this is larger than just the concept of uh oh i just want to throw this away because i want this audience like no i want to make money i want i, I want my music to succeed I, I this is my passion this is my job this is my work this isn't about some bullshit popularity contest because that's not what it I, I mean i'm sure that's a that's what it's about for some musicians i'm sure some artists are like i want the most people to like me but i think majority of artists are just like this is my music and i care about it i just like that's all they want i completely agree i i always when i hear the term sellout i've 
always somewhat recoiled from it because it's just, you know, if you don't like an artist because they changed their music, that's fine. That's because, like, you know, if you don't like Of Montreal because they went from an indie rock band to a disco band, basically, that's totally fine. It's what the band wanted to do, but don't call them a sellout for trying to be a little bit more popular or whatever to try and do something different. Totally fine to not like them for a genre shift. That's not... But when you start telling them sell out or like, oh, yeah, I really didn't like that they, you know, were doing this and that. And it almost always comes down to the money thing. And it's just like, what what do people have against artists making money? It, that it just completely it's this weird double standard. And it's just like it, it's the whole kind of elitism with among, you know, up and coming artists or like, a, oh, if I have to grind for my art, why doesn't you know green day like yeah that, that's completely unfair you should succeed but so should they as well yeah i, I, I want to yeah, bring I mean, up a i want to ask you guys a question if you ever seen this but this is kind of the reverse of like a local scene person saying they sold out but it is like it's close to it i'm not going to say any names but there's someone in the local dfw scene who blew up very very big okay a lot of people that i know were like i knew them when they were playing so-and-so small venue. And I heard that first album before it came out, and I told him, no, you have to change this, and you have to do that. And he and he didn't listen to me, and it still worked, but, you know, I stay, I think I think he should have sh- stayed in this rightful place. You know, he should have stayed in this local thing. Have you guys ever heard that kind of stuff before, where people are like, I knew him when, and, and they're not, you know, they're not the same as they were then, and all this sort of bullshit? Yeah, I think that's really common, right? Like... Yeah, I definitely hear it from like a like a more not necessarily a uh, what you're saying in the sense like a, oh they should have done this and they would it would have been better for the art. I hear people just saying it as like a name drop, typically. Right. Yeah. I, I well, that's that's probably what it is most of the time is they have the ability to say I knew them back then. Yeah, but those people, I think, I don't think they would ever use the term sellout in this specific situation that I'm thinking of, but they, they talk about it in such a way that it's like, and they've talked about other records that this artist has done. They're just like, yeah, they, they just they just changed too much. You know, they just changed. They should have been, they should have done this and this, this wasn't very good and so-and-so. I'm like, hey, he's not here anymore. They're, they're yeah. not in this scene anymore. So why don't you just go do something else? They are succeeding. Just be happy for that success riding the coattails and there's a specific Fort Worth musician that I'm worried that's who you're talking about. So I don't want to mention them, but like, it's just like every time I'm in Fort Worth, someone will be like, yeah, you know, I used to hang out with such and such right there. or He used to come in or he was in for the holidays from LA. So he, uh, he was over here at this dive bar. It's like, okay. And he's a person like that's totally okay. (laughs) You know, another part of it too is like, as, as these artists get bigger and they experience more of the world, a lot of times they're playing these festivals where it's not bands that are like them because festivals just don't have that luxury anymore unless it's like a metal festival or something. So if you're if you're Green Day on a festival with Avril Lavigne and maybe Lady Gaga and a bunch of other bands like that, it's going to influence you somehow. Yeah. So your music is going to evolve and change. Think about any of those artists actually trying to sell out on purpose and all of the people that listen to the music are going to smell the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, they will. And and I think that it's it's an easy cop-out to say you don't like something and just say they sold out. I think it's an easy cop-out. But everybody can tell when somebody is not putting their all into 
an album. They just can tell right away. But also the same people who are saying like, oh, I don't like such and such because they sold out or the people who like, it's like, wait, you've never had an artistic thought in your mind where like this elitism complex, like where did this come from? Like, I find that the people who say that uh, such and such sold out are the same people who are like, you know, I will only listen to ACDC. I will only listen to this. And it, it, it's weird. I don't know. Unf- yeah, there's a there's a there's like an elitism that comes with it. Like We were talking about Maroon 5 before. I've, I've come into contact where I've had to learn some of their songs that are more dance heavy. And when you listen to those recordings, and if you just dig a little bit deeper, like the guitar player, James Valentine, I think his name is, he got really into production. So that's why a lot of that stuff started to change. That's why they got away from the natural band sounding stuff from songs about Jane, because they all got into production. And when you listen to it, there's still integrity in it. It's just not what you want it to be. I bet you like an unplugged show for those dance songs are good. Cause yeah. it, the song is still there. It's just been so heavily produced. I mean, like, as much as I love John Mayer, that can he can be accused of overproducing things sometime, even though under that is a, you know, well written song, well played song, that kind of thing. Speaking of Maroon Five, here's a great uh Gallagher story with Maroon Five. Noel Gallagher was <laughs> at a um a like a mansion party in LA because he lives in LA now and hangs out with Lars Ulrich. Um but he was at this party and he ran into i think it was the bassist of maroon five and he comes up and he goes hey man i am such a fan of your music you're the reason why i write music and noel gallagher said oh wow then why don't you write better music if like he's like so i'm he's like so i'm responsible for maroon five yikes And, and then the guy like took it you know, he took it as a joke. He goes, ah, oh, okay, because everyone knows what the Gallaghers are like. And then later, Noel Gallagher is standing in the line for a bathroom, and he bumps into the the guy turns around in front of him. It's the basis again. And Noel Gallagher's all like, oh, ha-ha. And he's like, I guess I'm – and he said, like – he basically made a joke saying, like, oh, isn't this house shitty? And then the uh, Maroon 5 basics goes, this is my house. This is my party. <laughs> oh my god! Incredible. Oh my Those god. the Gallagher brothers are such assholes. Okay. even the quote unquote reasonable one. So, uh, I, two two side things really quick. Uh, you said Noel Gallagher and Lars Ulrich hang out. Yeah, I, I mentioned that in our. Uh, here we go episode. again. I I I sure what I would pay to be a fly on the wall. I would I would pay so much money to be a fly on the wall in that situation and just hear what they have to say the other thing is it's completely irrelevant is uh is dave i can barely see that straw from your drink in your in your shot so you like you like went down to take a sip (laughs) so i just saw your like lips puckered and you like went down and i you just disappeared (laughs) (laughs) looks like you're doing a little something else there buddy (laughs) you just gotta watch the mirror behind him So I don't really have much more to say about selling out. Does anybody have any strong thoughts? I like I like what you said. Let's let's go around and let's say our 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 kind of our loose definition and what we really think about selling out. We've already said a lot, but you know, let's let's each each give our um, our thoughts on if that's. I think it's important to say if we think it's a real thing. That's a really important thing. I think we should talk about if selling out yeah. is a real thing. I think usually it's just an excuse to be upset other people having success especially from a local scene 
where you can be like, oh, they sold out, and then now they don't, you know, play shows here, they won't say they're from here, or whatever. And people get offended because they thought they knew them. Because, you know, maybe they did, actually, but because they saw them locally and, like, on a small venue, they feel like they know them better. So, I think it's usually an excuse. It's not really much, like, you know, there's not really much there in that case to me. Yeah, uh, I definitely, I, I agree with that. I, I think that I think that local people who say anyone sold out, that's bullshit. I think that listeners of bands say that a band sold out. I think that's bullshit. I think that selling out is the wrong term for all of this. Like you said, Dave, people can smell bullshit from a mile away. You know, if you if you release an album that's that's not genuine and not real to what you're trying to do, they can tell very very quickly. But that doesn't mean you sold out. That means you phoned in your job. That means that you were like, okay, well, I, I, I have to release this album, so I'm not going to put in my all. I'm not, and I don't, really, I don't really care about this. I'm just going to get it done, and then that's it, uh, which is crazy to me to think about because that means that that band's going to have to play those songs for at least a year on tour. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that, to me that means they phoned it in. They didn't sell out. They weren't trying to do something because I think that most musicians, if they are like – you know, if any if any musicians that we know or listen to decided, hey, I, I think I want to try to be a pop musician, they would take it seriously and they would work hard at being a pop musician. They would work hard at making good music in that scene instead of just being like, like kind of ham fisting like a pop song, going, "This is it, right?" Because then you're making fun of it more than you're actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. I have a good a good friend of mine who lives in L.A. now that uh, was he grew up covering Elton John songs and we used to like play songs together that were from that era and then before he knew he was going to move to LA to, he wanted to be a producer he started studying pop music and listening exclusively to top 40 radio to figure out in his own way what the formula was for that and started adapting to that and writing music in that stream so it's like people might think oh he sold out but he was actually studying this and trying to not make a bullshit version of it like you were saying Hagen. But I think for me, a lot of bands end up being labeled sellouts because when they, from the time they start being a band to the time that they reach that success, especially you know before the release of a second album, they have the entire history of the band to write their first album. And then if they get success from the first one, they have to write a second one pretty quick. And there's not as much time that goes into that. They can't take six years to write the second album. So you end up writing something faster, you know, writing songs quicker, so it may sound like you didn't put as much work into it. But it's not its not for lack of trying. It's that you literally were under a different time constraint. Right, yeah. yeah. So then it can end up being labeled as a sellout. But, not, you know, I don't think selling out is... Yeah, I think it's bullshit. I agree with you, Hagen. Yeah, I, I think I would agree that there's probably no such thing as selling out because most artists are not going to have their music in a commercial or something like that without, you know, granting permission for it and stuff like that. And even if it gets through the cracks and their team lets it be on something they don't agree with, the artist almost always comes out and says, hey, like, I'm sorry that this got put in XYZ, but, like, we didn't stand by that. Like, we apologize. Like, that's not what we stand for, which to me is like, okay, well, then there goes uh, the people who call them sellouts argument that, like, there's no integrity in it because it's like okay well no they they are literally saying right here that they do not agree with it so yeah i just 
it all comes down to people for some reason think that artists have to struggle uh and if not that their worth is less their artistic worth is less and so for that reason alone i believe that uh the idea of selling out in music is a complete fallacy and not at all real i would i would i would love to hear someone on the other like on the other side of that tell me why selling out is real i would love to hear like another oh, yeah. another point i'm not i'm not saying that i i i'm right on this um this is just how how I viewed selling out, and especially like you know when you get to know people, when you get to know musicians, or you are a musician who are working and trying to pay your bills that way. You kind of just take what you can to make money at a certain point. I mean, it's not that like pathetic sounding, but I mean, it, in reality, you're just trying to make money. You're trying to work, and so yeah, yeah. I, I would I would go as far to say that we are right on this. I'll, I'll confidently like argue with anyone that has. Oh yeah, a, a, you know, but like I'll. St- Till I till I go to my grave, we're right on this. Selling out is horseshit. <laughs> well, and people have like some weird fascination with the starving artist like idea, and that's part of the. That's very true. Yeah, yeah that's very that true. So. Yeah, because those same people like okay, you put your four to eight years in your higher education to get your job, and then you get out, and let's say you're lucky enough to make a hundred thousand dollars a year at your first job. No one is going to be like damn you busted your ass for that four to eight years getting your degree and now you fucking sold out dude it's like right no people congratulate right. you they're happy for you i mean obviously within reason but yeah it's just why why are we holding the standard to artists uh it's yeah it's, they have to it's suffer? ignorance it's ignorance of of the the trajectory of an artist and like music in general if you if you deny yourself that growth of wealth and you know, bigger audiences and changing up your style and challenging what you do as an artist, then you're, you're not really informed in what, what, what's going on in the music world. I think you made a really good point too, Dave, saying that like a first, a band's first album is, uh, you know, done in however long it takes them. But a band's second album, if the first album is successful, was done in a year or two. You know, there's the turnaround. I think something we've learned uh, in our deep dives is that the turnaround time once a band hits success, it just it just changes. I mean, it just speeds up, and it takes them no time to release an album. And for some of these people we've covered, it's really good shit. It's really good shit, no matter what. Um, but I I do think that that is such an important thing to think about is that. Uh, just because that second album wasn't the same as the first album or didn't have the same impact or, you know, sounds different. Or that third album even. That third album tends to be the one that's really, really different. You know, that probably is maybe boredom. They've been playing the same songs for so long and they're touring them. They're playing festivals. They're on, you know, they for like years, they're playing these same songs and the same style. So maybe it's time for them to do something different. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at a band like the Beach Boys, they're, like Pet Sounds was their 11th album. Right, yeah. And it happened because they took time off. Yeah. They were touring too much. They were releasing sometimes two albums a year. So uh, Brian Wilson was like, hey, I'm done touring, and I just want to focus on writing music. And so he took time to write that album, and it's one of the best albums of all time. But but that's but he upset the rhythm of things, and I'm sure that there were fans that were upset about that. I'm sure there were fans that yeah. were like, "What the fuck? This is bullshit." And I'm sure there well, were he's still been some essentially pushed out of that uh, band because right. of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it's it's just it's something that sucks. I mean, you, like you have to because if we wanted the same kind of product every single time, we would give artists a lot of time. But because of the way that 
we are impatient as people, especially when it comes to new music. We want our shit quick. Uh, I, I hate to cite Between the Buried and Me because it's you know easy for me, uh, but they take about four years in between every album. It's always four years, maybe sometimes longer, but it's always at least four years in between every single album because they need the time. And all their fans, they want more, obviously, but that's just the way it goes. Sometimes you have to, and they have to tour, and they have to do everything else. So it makes sense. Take about four years, do an album. That's, that, that is like a great cycle, and as long as they can do it and make stuff they're happy with and make stuff that d- does well for them, that's awesome. But there's a lot of people who are like, when's their next album coming out? Why is it not already? I want it now. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, it's like, to quote Jay-Z, if you want my old shit, buy my old albums. Yeah, right. That's very true. Well, this has been our uh, topic episode of us uh, breaking down Real Big Fish's uh, 90s single sellout. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's all, I, that's all I got. There was a local. There was a local band in my hometown called the Sellouts, and they didn't get very far. So that's pretty ironic. interesting. Mm. Wow, losers. Were they a ska band? At least they kept their integrity. They were a punk band. They weren't a ska oh, okay. band. Yeah, at least they kept their integrity. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we listening to? Oh, uh, let me get let me get Kara in here. Hold on. Oh, nope. She's doing something, so I'll do a Kara impression again. She's hanging out with my fiance. She is. They're doing some murder they're, they're mystery bullshit box the thing. murder mystery bullshit. Losers. Okay, here we go. This is my Kara impression this week. You ready? You guys ready for my Kara impression? Kara says she wants to hear it. Uh, okay, so here we go. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen. How's that? Was that good? <laughs> it was surprisingly <laughs> laggy. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, can you do it again? Just I we heard it. I just want to hear it yeah. again. Oh yeah, hey, listen. Is that good? <laughs> yeah, it's so good. All right, cool. You get more and more baritone every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Groundhog Day. We're in a feedback loop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, Morning. Hey, Jackson. I think I know what your album is that uh, is going to be your 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 contender. Can I guess before you go? Please don't say that. That's what you've been listening to. It's not. It's not. I. I but but what can is I? It? But can I guess before you say it? I just want to know if I'm right. Yeah. Is it yeah. the Phoebe Bridgers album? Yes. Oh yeah, I'm right. No, I haven't listened to it yet. I, it's on my list, but I haven't listened to it. Tell yeah. us about it. Go oh. ahead. Oh, it is so uh, Phoebe Bridgers' second album is called Punisher and it just came out on Friday. It is, you know, it's more Phoebe Bridgers, but it's just like hauntingly beautiful. And it's definitely going to be on my contender for, um, album of the year. And honestly, after listening to Moses Sumney's, uh, double record, I was like, nothing will top this. And then I listened to this Phoebe Bridgers album and I was like, well, fuck, this really hit hard. This is super good. And I honestly, the singles, for the record whenever they were coming out i listened to it and i was like these are good but they're not really hitting great and then i listened to all 11 tracks together and i was just like how how exactly do you write a song like this like this is obviously a singer songwriter song but there's like the guitar isn't there it, like i don't understand how you produce an album like this and it's just like it's hauntingly beautiful and i absolutely love it is that all you've been listening to I mean, I've been listening to a ton of other stuff, but I was going to save it. I've been listening okay. to Bob Dylan's new album. I've been listening to Owen's new album. 
Bob's, Bob Dylan's new album is everyone is saying like, oh, because a ton of records came out on Friday. Yeah. And everyone was saying that Bob Dylan's new album is the best out of all of them by far, which I it's very good. I would love to do a deep dive just talking about every single song on that one. Interesting. Hmm. Let's do it. Interesting. Or just that song, just the 15 minutes. <laughs> it's a great song. Adam, did you ever listen to it? No, I still haven't. I'm telling you, if you like that Nick Cave record, the most recent one, Ghostine, you will like that song. Don't listen to I, the I kind of figured that would be the case, <laughs> especially when he posted it's a, a whole, good song. He posted like a whole multi like paragraph long like essay about why that song is incredible. So it is amazing. It is a great song. Uh, so I went on this weird thing where, so I don't have a TikTok, and I thought about making a TikTok solely for this. Uh, I've been really into watching these amazing singers on Instagram, like, collaborate and just sing amazing shit with incredible harmonies, and I've been really on this kick. So I tried to find, like, music that had stuff like it and had a really hard time. Um, But so I'm going to just go ahead and say that I've been listening to... uh, tiktok singers there's a, there's a guy named taylor edlin he's a really he's awesome he's fucking incredible he's an he's an arranger too uh ben platt actually has been singing some of his his arrangements of songs uh but so is that the dude you sent me with the the the, the guy and the girl singing mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. that is incredible yeah 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 i've sent you a couple of his stu- a couple of his videos he's amazing yeah. he's and like he only posts like one or two on his like one or two like a week or two, every two weeks on his instagram and he posts so much more on tiktok so i thought about getting a tiktok just to like go watch those people but i'm i'm scared um there's uh a, a band or I don't, I don't know enough about it soccer mommy you guys have you ever listened to soccer mommy uh, I didn't like what I'd heard before, but then I listened to the album Color Theory, and holy shit, it's really, really good. Um, there's a band named Sure Sure, where they're, they're, I guess it's their first album. The production is absolutely insane, and the songwriting is insane. They have two singles that came out that I hadn't listened to yet, and they're really good. Um, and then there's a metal band uh, called Make Them Suffer that uh, they're Australian, and they used to be like super duper, like, I don't know, deathcore band. And now they've shifted into uh, being a really weird mix, but I'll put them in like metal core. They write just really good songs, really, really good metal songs. Um, and yeah, that's what I got. Uh, I've been listening to Dawes, obviously. <laughs> I dove right back into them. I couldn't figure out what to listen to. It didn't. And I was like, hey, let me just put on Dawes. And I was like, damn, I got to stop not listening to these guys. <laughs> people on the show are shaming me for listening to Dawes. Stop shaming me. I like them, okay? But also, uh, Anderson Pack's new album, or the new new single, and uh, that Perfume Genius record still is in rotation. Nice. Yeah, That's I, it I for me. I listened to the new Anderson Pack song yet. I didn't know it came out. But I did listen to his um, the instrumentals-only version of his last album, which is pretty fun, just as a nice like kind of background music thing. So got that and uh also was just listening to uh run the jewels four which is very apt for the time right now um and also yeah just watch their tiny desk so yeah i've heard that people said that that run the jewels record like really has its finger on the pulse as long uh, as well as uh spike or not spike jones uh spike lee's new film i haven't Mm -hmm. seen it but uh defy bloods I mean, he's always got his finger on the pulse. But also speaking yeah. about, you know, that kind of stuff, I did forget to mention. I, w- I 
Gre- I can't pronounce her name properly in Swedish, but uh, Greta Thunberg's, uh, she uh, posted like a 75-minute, um, just uh, struggle to call it a podcast, but it's just her speaking, talking about her journey of what she did when she came to America and went back, uh, and it was fascinating. And yeah, that's just something I'm super passionate about and would love more people to listen to. I mean, like, I will never speak as eloquently as she can. And, you know, she's almost 10 years younger than me. So that makes me feel hopeful for a younger generation, that kind of thing. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. You know, I was going to, like, wait, and then I was like, maybe it's funny if I do it while he's talking about a serious thing. And it wasn't funny, so I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It also uh, wasn't that satisfying of a... Of a yeah, open. it wasn't very good. It wasn't. I, I so ch- chug that one and do it again. No, I had a thing where I I was I was practicing and I was drinking and I opened a beer back there like on my table and it made like all of my symbols like, like make sound. It was the weirdest thing in the world. Uh, yeah, I, I, oh, yeah, that's that's what I've been listening to this week. Yeah, the the sound of beer opening <laughs> <laughs> and it reverberating off your yep, symbols. That's it. That's it. How's your how's your practice sessions going? Really well. <laughs> Yeah, so you think. <laughs> Have you seen those, like, recording sessions of, like, the Mortal Kombat guys when they're doing, like, the fatalities? And, like, they literally have a sound booth where they sit, like, at the Mortal Kombat studio. Like, normally you would hire another company to do that. But there's a guy who, like, he's on the payroll where he just goes buy vegetables for the day and he starts cracking them and stuff like that. That that That's what you should do, Hagen. It'd be beautiful. I'll probably just keep opening beers. Exactly. I, I imagine you sitting there like, okay, here's a tall boy. <laughs> well, this one was ten dollars. <laughs> All right, it sounds a bit different. You fucking sell out. Or, yeah. or this one great. was shaken for a couple seconds. <laughs> well, I don't oh, know. In the episode, uh, still fuck the police. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck it's, the that's police. That's not really a hot take anymore. So. Damn it! I'm gonna stop saying it. I don't. I don't feel it genuinely anymore. If it's not cool to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta be cool, man. Remember, sell out. Be cool. That's the that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Don't go to college. Okay. Well, wait a second. 